Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is Monergy Life, and tonight I have the pleasure of having a very special guest, Gina Bria, join me. Uh, she's a cultural anthropologist, a former Berlin Fellow, uh, and she is the uh, project developer for The Art of Thinking project, and she's also the author of a soon-to-be-re-released version of the book, an e-book actually, called The Art of Family. Uh, while I'm waiting for Gina to call in, I would just like to um, share some thoughts about what's going on in the world these days, and Certainly, Gina is a very, very good guest to have on these times to explain some of the cultural changes that we're experiencing ourselves uh, and all the volatility that seems to be apparent. You know, just think about the riots they had in England over the last few years and the various... uh, uh, various other changes going on, the volatility of the of the stock market, etc. Uh, Gina, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, welcome to Monergy Life. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited to have you here. And I was just giving the audience a brief introduction as to some of the things you've been involved with and indicating that it's quite an exceptional time that we're living through these days. Any comments on that? We are definitely in a collective moment of transformation, and uh, I think our collective spirit can really lead it somewhere very positive. I'm with you on that. Um, For our audience, can you briefly tell us what exactly is a cultural anthropologist? Well, a cultural anthropologist is someone who really looks at the uh, the culture, the collective act of being people together, and how we're bound together by traditions, languages, foods, ritual elements, um, into uh, a consciousness or a way of approaching um, being able to be on the world, right? being able to get our sustenance. So uh, an anthropologist is someone who really looks at how we do that together. And that's precisely why I use the word our collective spirit, because that's something I know something about and I love to talk about. We uh, we have such a focus on individual in our culture and this particular environment that we're swimming in. And um, 
we uh, we have some experience with what it's like to join together and the power that's involved in that to sort of pull everybody in a new direction. But uh, I think we can be just experiencing it a lot more. And um, articulating it really helps people go, yeah, we could do this. We can do this. How do you connect with others of like mind and unlike mind and move things towards where you feel they need to go? I think you raise an excellent point, which might be productive to speak about for a little bit more, in that our society has become one of such selfishness and self-absorption. In addition, we have such an incredibly polarized society where it sometimes seems as if the country is just split right down the middle. You mean how do we um how do we hold hands across that polarization? Exactly, exactly. I think we really need people to help bridge the gaps that have developed in our society at this point. Yeah. Boy, Robert, I really agree with you. And I think those people um are the very people that are trying to think about integration on other fronts. So, um I think when we uh, develop within ourselves our own body mind integration, uh, we train for that, we think about that, we find ways to ignite it in our own life. Um, we become people who sort of stand at those crosswords very naturally without even trying. So um, we, I know you and I, Robert, have shared this experience of watching a TED Talk recently on the power of smiling and uh, the neurobiology of smiling and what it does to an individual person, but then its amplification effect on others. And uh, that small act is so uh, seems so irrelevant, but it's actually um, you know one of those stones that goes in the water and creates these amazing waves. So the more we practice I love in our the, own life, lo- yeah, mm-hmm. I I love the way you describe that the, metaphorically. One of the stones mm-hmm. that goes into the water, and and perhaps the stones that people can walk towards to connect each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're far more powerful than we think we are. You know, we're kind of waiting around for somebody else like the, to be the big guy or the big gal. Um, we're it. We're it. I totally I totally agree with you on that. You know, I had a thought this week because mm-hmm. I know that for a lot of people there have been a lot of headlines recently about the so-called economy and the stock market you know, and things mm. like that. We've all watched the volatility, which I believe is a reflection of the enormous changes going on in the world today. Yes. I'd yeah, like to make two points about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'd like to make two points about that, which perhaps people don't think of. One is that tremendous volatility creates tremendous opportunity. People don't focus on that. The second thought that I had this past week is that to watch a traditional news media and to hear their point of view, you would think there is one economy in the whole country it is my point of view there are 300 million economies in this country, one for every person. Mm, I love that. I love that, and I believe that, and I've seen that in my own life, the necessity to go out and create. Uh, this is where right. we are. We're, no, we're not there anymore where someone is, uh, you know, we sign up for the job and they take care of us, whether it's health care. Absolutely. Whether it's, 
you know, benefits we impacted. We're we're not there anymore. So um, how do we look at each other, say, guess what, we're not in the same spot anymore, but don't be scared because we have the power to create something actually far more liberating than we were experiencing in these so-called affluent um, sections of the past decade. You know, we've been through recessions. We've been through some very, very difficult times in this country. And the discussion as it stands now is that, oh, my God, we're only going down. And this is the worst I've seen. It's only getting better. It's absolutely untrue. Right. We're only going down if you take the point of view that that statistics such as the unemployment rate create Mm -hmm. everyone's reality, which is Mm -hmm. so untrue. Mm -hmm. Well, for people who are unemployed. Go ahead, Robert. Yes. No, no, go ahead, please. I was going to say, for people who are unemployed, we really want to um, reach you, especially in this phone call, because um, it's it's very uh, the the sense of, of fear and anxiety around that is uh, very powerful. I completely hold you in that, reach out to you in that, and um, believe me, I I know what you're going through. I've been in very dark stages of my own employment, unemployment, and. Um, it, right, and let me just interrupt a, and say I think sure. we all have. Everyone has been mm-hmm. in that situation. Yeah. That's right. And it's funny, I, right. I, I, I thought I thought also this week, it's interesting, when when I first got out of law school, which I attended, and I was indebted in, you know, at that time, I didn't see my personal situation on the news. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Precisely. Well, it, 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 it existed, though, but I didn't get any kind of uh, national um, recognition for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of interesting now that the fear mongers have seemed to have taken control of traditional media, and they've succeeded in rattling everyone, even people well, you who know, you know, I'm, are... I'm going to step in and say, this is the fight we want. Right. Damn it. You know, this and that, is now, the how fight do you we mean want. That? I mean well, that this is they, the fight we have. This, this is, what is we the have. fight we have. So this is the one right. we need. Maybe we should, we could put it that way, but we do want this fight. That's a good way of putting it. The the way that um, the, the the craftsmanship around journalism has faltered and 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 struggled and become enmeshed in many many issues around uh, consumption. You know, it, it's 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 Absolutely. just think of think of the media as us laying on the ground. And we have to pick it up and move forward. And it's not, you know, we're not against them. We are all in this together. And the the media exists at this point to sell you anxiety medication. You know, they report the story, so you have to run out and buy it. Absolutely. That's the link. And they're stuck there. But we can walk away from that. And it's as simple as... And on this show, we're... Right, and this show is a perfect example of a forum in which we're not just trying to walk away from that, we're trying to run away from that. And we're trying to create a situation in which fear is not the prime motivating factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I, why, what I can do to help your listeners is to help them understand that they can, um, they can program their neural network to scan for opportunity and to not scan for anxiety or, or distress. That is absolutely brilliant. Could you could you could you give some more details about how sure. one would go about love doing this? Love to, love to. I will say that I came to my work through anthropology, and my specialty was looking at ritual. So so ritual is fascinating because it, it sounds like I'm go, about to go on a tangent, but not at all because every ritual needs a body. And it, and for a long time in my study of ritual, I was looking at 
uh, rituals, for example, weddings in which you would change social status, or um, rituals in which there would be some kind of a personal quest and you would, you know, the classic walk through coals, or rituals in which you would go from um, being an uninitiated young man through a process of becoming into your manhood or your womanhood. So I was looking Mm -hmm. at those rituals for a long time. It was this aha moment of going, oh, my God, there's a biology to ritual. There's a neurobiology. Every one of these so-called social experiences has an effect on the body. And the effect is to change where you've been and transform you into a new person. And I'm like, well, hey, why don't we use that? Why don't we lay our hands on that and actually find out how the body works so that we can transform ourselves instead of waiting for our culture to transform us or our um, uh, employment circumstances, our our school circumstances, our relational circumstances. We're always waiting for the incoming to change us. And what I saw with ritual is that we have this capacity within our own bodies, which are tremendously powerful instruments. They're so complex and amazing, and we treat them like they're our chairs. I mean, we we haul our bodies around as if they're like, oh, the thing that has to be fed so I can do what I want to do. You know, it's funny that you'd... Yeah, I, I just want to interrupt it one mm-hmm. for one moment because I'll make another analogy to some of the things I talk about in my book about opportunities. And mm-hmm. I have a chapter called The Energy Sphere of Influence, and I talk about that people have to use what's available to them right now to create their yeah. opportunities. Yeah, not I some love it. Deluded, right, not some deluded idea about mm-hmm. what's available to them, but actually mm-hmm. the raw material, the experiences... Mm-hmm the people, the real opportunities that are within their fingertips or a short stretch away. We have to learn to use all that's within us in terms of opportunity and also to learn more about our bodies to make Mm -hmm. that journey not Mm -hmm. just better but more productive for everybody. I love it. I love it. I have a slightly different way of phrasing it, but I think we're talking about the same thing. But the the phrase that I've... I, the phrase that I've used in the past, I call the pantry. It's what is around us. The people well, we know, I the think we're talking we about the same thing, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's uh, it's it's up to us to make a recipe out of what's in our pantry. Absolutely. And, uh, we don't worry about the tomatoes we don't got. You know, we worry about right. what we actually have right now. And and the amazing, astonishing thing about having a body and having being in the world and being around other people uh, is that those are all amazing resources for us to be doing something right now that will um, right. take us to the end of the day in a in a way that advances us. I, I so, could not agree with you more. And I just mm. want to make another point which flashed into my head as you were in the last few moments. Mm. Remember the last presidential election we had? One of the slogans mm. for Obama was something to do with hope. Do you remember what it was? Yes, oh, uh, keep hope. Uh, mm, they had I hope didn't know about the change. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. What I found so interesting at the time, and I'm not either for or against him, by the way. He's one person. I think he's doing as best as he can. I found mm-hmm. it so interesting that people were willing to def- defer their lives to that slogan, and they really bought into it as if, as if, Electing one person as president is really going to dramatically change their individual lives. 
to me, I think it was a, a total delusion to think that. My guess as an anthropologist observing it is that what was happening there, Robert, is that people were buying into the hope. They were laying their hands on the emotion. And if I can, but it was all external. Can, they weren't. They weren't going mm-hmm. into their own pantry to do it. That's right, the whole point. Right. So, so what we can some do external now, source was going to make it all better, and it was Obama. Uh-huh. You see, right? And yeah. obviously that didn't happen. But people well, really hope, thought it was going to happen. Right. Well, we let go it's of the point. We, we let go of the rope at the wrong time. The rope is really our our uh, capacity to induce our own hope. And make that hope exactly. work for us to advance us. So the question exactly. is, I think here that we have on the, our our conversation here for our listeners is, how do we in, in ignite hope within ourselves? How do we and, ignite? And you're some right, absolutely. And and both of us, I think, are moving in that direction and and trying mm-hmm. to get people to ignite that hope within themselves. Mm-hmm. I know you're a big believer in the power of the body. And yeah. and the wonderful wonderful things in the body that for many people are as yet unexplored. Can you speak mm-hmm. a little bit more about some of those things that people might try exploring within their own body? Sure, I'd love to do that. I think that um, what I really want to communicate is that bodies are instruments. They are our instruments. Think of them as a amazing cello. You know that we don't really know how to play, and how exciting it is. No matter what point you are in life, whether you're young or you're in your 50s or your 90s, you're to learn to play your cello at this point in your life is going to be the most exciting thing that's ever happened. And um, and that playing of the cello involves, if we think of ourselves as a stringed instrument, because we really are. There are 47 miles of strings inside of us in our neural network. So we really, truly are a resonating musical instrument. We really are a stringed instrument. It's our nerves. And what runs on those nerves are our neural neural networks, our um, neurons made up of thoughts and emotions. And how you play your body is to... um, is to go to your emotions and and begin to uh, shape them as you would a symphony. Now, how do you go about doing that? Could you instruct our listeners as to some tips as to how to begin to start to do that? Well, um, yeah, let's see if I can do a sort of a quick exercise right here. Um, Okay. If I could... Get you to close your eyes, so you're now uh, you're now uh, shutting off 80% of your input when you, it comes mm-hmm. through the ocular n- nerves, and uh, and get you to uh, go into your memory bank and pull out a time you were really joyful. Something might be riding your bike for the first time. Uh, so you're using your memory. Okay. Find that memory. Pull up that emotion. Let it kind of flood you. Have the emotion. Hold on to it. Okay. Be with that emotion. And then now let's just open our eyes and um, keep that kind of resonance going on in the back of your head. And now think of something that may be troubling you a little bit. Um, Not a big trouble. Let's just start small. But something, um, you know, an irritation during the day. Uh, an encounter with a taxi driver, if you're in the city, you often have that or whatever. 
and replay right. that in your mind. And the point of irritation or annoyance, struggle, uh, your mailman didn't deliver the package, all those, whatever that point is, lay over it that emotion of joy. Let that feeling that you just had be the one that kind of floods over that. Right. And you are able to let it, the irritation go. And uh, what you're doing is you're literally sending a new memory to your, uh, you're using an emotion, which is about um, what um, basically seals, I call it sending it to the printer. Your emotion is what seals the neuraptic symptoms, the, the, the synapses to actually hold on to the emotion. And in other words... In other words, it colors the experience for us. It colors the experience. But, see, we can be doing that not only with past things that have troubled us, but we can be doing that about our future. So points of anxiety in the future. When you are worried, like facing the job market tomorrow or facing your stocks, you're watching the roll go up and down, so much of that is about the perception of emotion. You're almost watching a, a national collective emotional roller coaster being documented by the stock market. And right. if if you are one of those people who can hold on to your uh, high-resonating, uh, joyous, delightful, calmed emotions, uh, you you are actually tuning yourself, your own body. And um, and that is also going to be broadcast to the people around you. It's very powerful you know, stuff. You know, it's funny that you uh, that you suggested this exercise because over the last couple of weeks, I have been doing something similar to that, and I'll share with the audience what I'd it is. I'd love to hear. Love to hear. Uh, in terms of going through some experiences that several years ago I might have regarded as anxiety provoking and troubling. I had a few of these things arise, just challenges that happen in everyone's life. And someone suggested to me a couple of weeks ago that look at those experiences as if they're in a big open box and try and love the experience. Instead Mm. of dreading the experience, project love onto the experience. And Mm. think of that experience as being in in a huge loft, a huge open space where... Things are flowing, and instead of the emotion of dread and anxiety, think of the people as just people going through what they think they have to do and actually love the experience because it is the experience happening to you at this moment. Mm-hmm. And I tried and it. I, and tell me what you're, what, tell me the denouement, what happened? Well, what a different experience it was for me to go through these things with the with the feeling of love as opposed to dread it completely changed the 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 flavor of the experience and i was actually happy at i mean this would have been absolutely impossible a couple of years ago for me to have done i just wasn't at the point where that information was available to me but the suggestion was Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to. I was going to say this was actually suggested to me in a yoga class that I took, uh-huh. not to me personally, I, but it was something that the teacher spoke about uh-huh. right. um, to everyone who was in the class, and it just resonated with me for what I was going through. 
and the people you were involved with in the original experience of anxiety, in this replaying of it in your mind and reconfiguring it in your symphonic instrument, did you notice that you had a lot more compassion for the people who were in your original story? Well, actually, the story was unfolding at the moment. It wasn't a past story. It was something that was mm-hmm. happening to me at the time. Uh, so it was a moment-to-moment type of thing, and I actually had much more compassion for the people because I realized that pretty much everybody was doing what they thought they had to do. They just weren't mm-hmm. aware as to the consequences for other people. But they were playing their role perfectly, actually. That's how I looked at it. And I didn't take I think, it personally. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was able even to have a much more, even though the potential there was a potential for you know harm to me on a certain level, but I didn't look at it that way. And I thought of it, okay, this is my experience right now. I have to cherish this experience because it's mm. what's available to me. And now I'm going to look at it, instead of looking at it as dreading or anxiety-provoking, I'm going to, like, feel all the love in my being and project that love onto the experience and see if it feels differently. And I have to tell you, Gina, it was qualitatively 180 degrees from what it would have been a couple of years ago. Oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. I know this stuff is really effective, and it not only uh, makes us bigger people, we become, you know, we literally become bigger because we're adding to our neural networks. So we're we're actually creating new brain networks when we do this kind of interior work. Right. And adding to our whole body because, you know, we're we're making our brain larger, our whole network system throughout our body much larger. But what we don't realize is that when we advance as an individual, we're also taking the collective with us. So we really are in this very, very beautiful work that we do with mind-body integration also advancing everybody else at the same time. We we have right. a much I, bigger picture of what's going on. Absolutely. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm aware of that on a certain level because I know the difference that one person can make in any situation, and it's an amazing difference because mm-hmm. just think of it this way. If you go into a restaurant and you yell at your waitress because you're in, or waiter because you're in a bad mood, that person mm-hmm. could spread it to like 25 people in the course of the day. <laughs> but if you show love to that person and compassion for the kind of day they're having, instead of projecting all this negativity, that's what gets spread. So it's mm-hmm. an amazing ricochet effect. Our behavior has so much more uh, of an effect on an energy basis that most people are aware of, which is why we have to be so careful what we say and do all the time. Or um, uh, careful, but careful as in caring. Careful as That's in what not I mean. restricting yeah. life. Sure. Um, I think that part of this learning to play this instrument of the body is, is, um, is goes right with the word play. It's a key, uh, a key uh, word that we sometimes just walk right over. But um, we can be so much more playful about ourselves and our lives, and and um, right. and and be successful. When, when, what well, does that I, mean ultimately? Absolutely, and I mm-hmm. think this goes to another element, which I will throw into the conversation. I, unfortunately, we only believe it or not, we only have three minutes left to our show today. But I'd love to bring you back for a longer talk because I think this is fascinating and we haven't really even scratched the surface but in order to be more playful people have to understand and learn the value of detachment which is an Mm -hmm. eastern philosophical 
idea, but we're not taught that in our schools in the West, and it is so helpful in going through pretty much any personal or business relationship to learn how to pull back a little and create sort of like a safe zone and become more of an observer and less uh, where everything is affecting our ego and and so wounding to us or so uplifting. You know, we have to learn to create that buffer zone between ourselves and the world around us. Yeah, yeah. That playfulness is part of it. That creation too. It it it, right. it, it really helps. So well, I I I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope your listeners have too. There's great work being done, and we're right in the midst of it. And it should uh, it should the implications of it for our own daily lives are it's very exciting. Absolutely, and especially with what a lot of people are exposed to in the media, which is a barrage of negativity. And people really think that, like I said in the beginning of the broadcast, there's not one economy in the United States. There's 300 million separate economies. And people have to understand that. And that you are much more in charge of your own economy than anyone will give you credit for. (laughs) You know, one great (laughs) quick exercise people can do is uh, write the word economy or money down on a piece of paper and and revise it to, to income and start thinking about all the ways they have income and broaden the word beyond just uh, money or economy and what then they've suddenly identified many of their sources that they may have missed to begin to activate. Right. Gina, we only have one minute left. Are there any mm-hmm. thoughts that you would like to share with the audience for for these times that are quite challenging for all of us? Uh, we have an, a, a beautiful expression from the Italian tradition which says, beak up. <laughs> and it means if you're a little hen <laughs> or a little rooster, <laughs> point your beak <laughs> up and keep going because that's, that's where things will be found. So, beak up. I love that. I love that. Beak <laughs> up. That's fantastic. And, uh, well, um, milagrazzi, as they say uh-huh. in Italian also. As they say in Italian. I love it. For for coming on the show. And uh, we will definitely have you on another time. We haven't even Great. talked about your book, which is being re-released in the e-version called The Art right. of Thinking. We can, I'm sorry, that's The Art of Family in the mm-hmm. book, right? That's coming and that will out, be coming uh, out. And for Christmas at Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, good night, Gina, and thank you for good coming night, on the Robert. show. My pleasure. Bye bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.